0: with you, Susan Rosen.
1: Hey everyone, this is Susan, and I wanted to come on quickly, give you a little prelude to a repeat that I'm doing of one of my very early podcasts, a review of the book, The Happiness Curve by Jonathan Rauch. Starting last week, And continuing for another few weeks, I've been looking back through my previous podcasts and have been kind of cherry picking the ones that I really enjoy doing and also listening to again and found particularly interesting to share with you again. This week, I picked the Happiness Curve podcast because so many people are in a funk due to COVID-19 and its impact on all of our lives. The book was published originally in 2018, And I recorded the podcast in June of 2019. What I liked about the book was the way it pointed out how with all the ups and downs that people, countries, and societies have gone through over centuries, there are certain human characteristics like happiness that have ebbed and flowed for everyone. I'll also point out that happiness is a subject that has been and continues to be studied and written about, irrespective of pandemics, wars, and natural disasters. And it was reading another article about it again, that spurred me to choose this repeat. So I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that you will search out the happiness curve. And also that it helps you in some small way to feel happier in your own life. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Rosen, and today's podcast is all about the book, The Happiness Curve Why Life Gets Better After 50. It was written by Jonathan Rauch, and he is a senior fellow at the Brookings, Brookings Institute. He authored several previous books and articles, and he has also contributed and is a contributing editor of The Atlantic and has written for the New Republic, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post. On the personal side, lives with his husband in Washington, D.C. So The Happiness Curve is a really interesting book. It actually came out last year, which was 2018. And it's all about explaining why when most of us get into our 40s, we start feeling more depressed about our life situations. And then when we've turned the corner into our 50s, our happiness score starts to go up. And I sure hope I'm pronouncing his name right. But Rausch gives us the historical perspective, saying that this really isn't a new phenomenon because Dante wrote about it and used the metaphor of being in a dark forest. That was from the 14th century. And Thomas Cole, in the early 1830s, Actually, I think the 1820s was when he he painted the first set. Has a four painting, very large four painting cycle called The Voyage of Life. And the first one, first painting is childhood. The second is youth. The third is manhood. And the fourth is old age. Rausch uses these paintings as kind of his way into and out of the main theory and thrust of the book. So I thought I would just read you a little bit from the beginning of the book that kind of gives you a a really good feel for how the book is set up. So he says, in these pages, I retraced the route of Thomas Cole's Voyager, but with the aid of a map provided by recent discoveries in economics, psychology, and neurobiology. The book is about new light being cast on happiness by the dismal science better known as economics. It is about the frequently perverse behavior of life satisfaction, which has less to do with our material circumstances and accomplishments than we imagine. It is about the serendipity which led maverick economists to discover that age, independent of other things going on, makes contentment harder to come by in midlife. It is about the slow motion emotional reboot, which makes the years after midlife surprisingly satisfying and why evolution might wire us to reboot. It is about the dawn of a whole new stage of adult development, which is already starting to reshape the way we think about retirement, education, and human potential. And then he continues and he says, Along the way, I will introduce a young economist who discovered a negative feedback loop that manufactures midlife unhappiness without apparent cause. I'll introduce psychologists and neuroscientists who are bringing to light the surprising payoffs, personal and social, awaiting on the far side of the slump. I'll introduce a psychiatrist and a sociologist and others who, who are building a new science of wisdom and showing how aging equips us to be happier and kinder, even as our bodies get frailer. I'll introduce social thinkers and reformers who are exploring and mapping a whole new stage of adult development. If what those and other researchers are learning is correct, some adjustments are in order. We need to understand why a lot of what we believe about aging and happiness is wrong. We need to understand why midlife dissatisfaction is, for the large majority of people, not a, quote, crisis, unquote, but a natural and healthy transition. With that understanding, we can become smarter about coping with the happiness curve in ways which I'll illustrate. Although we can't think our way through the trough, we can think our way through it. So that kind of gives you a good feel for what the book is about, what he's trying to get across, and how he's planning on doing it. So getting depressed about one's life situation in midlife, what he's saying is not a new phenomenon for humans. And it has a lot to do with life satisfaction. And now we know with our age as well. And it turns out more of a midlife transition than a midlife crisis, which is what he was saying in the part I just read you. So it sounds like to me, like it's a change in vocabulary that we really need going forward, which would then change expectations. One of the things that most everyone feels as they go through the bottom of the U-shaped trough is that they have somehow screwed up because life isn't getting better well, we all know now that it isn't totally our fault or our responsibility. It's a big part of being human. On the other hand, Hannes Schwant, a German economist who at the time was from at Princeton, told Rausch, you feel all this disappointment about your past and then also your expectations evaporate about the future. So in midlife, you're feeling miserable about the past and the future at the same time. Looking at that, I would say exactly, because I understand what he's saying, having gotten to the other side of it now, boy, it certainly was pretty bad. You look back and you look forward and you just don't even know where to look anymore because there's just no good news. So Rausch also, quote, cites quite a few different studies, which he said he was going to do, as you could tell in the um, what I part I read you where people rate their happiness from 1 to 10. And people in their 50s rated themselves in the mid-7s. People in their 60s rated themselves average in the low 8s. And the numbers just kept on rising even into 90-year-olds. And he also, Rausch also quotes a sociologist from the University of North Carolina who said that, quote, with age comes happiness, unquote. So if you're unhappy and you're in your 40s or 50s, hold on, things will get better. And I know, because I've gotten past that. The funny thing is that it was found that people at all ages, when asked about the general happiness level of young people and old people, overestimated the happiness of young people and underestimated the happiness of older people. There is this worldwide misconception that young people are happier. I wasn't. Stupider, maybe but definitely not happier. I'm not going to go through any more of these study results. So if you're interested, you should definitely get the book, buy it or check it out from your library. I do want to say that something that I found particularly interesting in the book were the studies of orangutans and chimpanzees. And they found the same U-shaped curve adjusted for age because we humans live longer than the chimpanzees and orangutans. They bottomed out around 45 to 50 years old and then going back up, which they say shows that the U-shaped curve is actually kind of hardwired in humans and great apes, which I believe we all come from the same place thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago. Tens of thousands, probably not hundreds, but... Rausch also includes a lot of interviews with and stories from people he spoke to in writing this book. And it's really interesting to me to hear about other people's experiences. The U-shaped curve really did seem to be a universal phenomenon. On For his own life, he wrote in the book that, quote, when my own fog of dissatisfaction began to lift around the age of 50, the change felt like something which was happening to me, not something which I was in charge of. I believe, though, that my discovery of The happiness curve during that time eased the process and by helping me normalize a slump which had previously seemed strange and culpable. This book really is an effort to share and spread the news that the happiness curve is normal and in some ways beneficial and that a frontal assault on it, I'm not going to feel this way, can be counterproductive. So count your blessings But if counting your blessings leaves you feeling no less disappointed, there is nothing wrong with you. Gratitude is harder in the trough of the you, so cut yourself some slack. Overall, I want to say that I really enjoyed this book. I loved reading about other people. I really enjoyed hearing from the different scientists what all of the studies were about, what people are finding through the studies, and how it really is hopefully going to have an effect on our lives and on our society, because it really is going to kind of switch out or switch up everything that we think is going on. It was also very interesting for me to read about how people, as they get much older, 80s or 90s, maybe even 70s, I guess, as they start feeling like the end of life is going to be closer, they aren't as interested in making new friends. They aren't as interested in being social. They're a lot happier with their lives. But if you ask them who they want to spend time with, it's the few people, the few friends that they still have or family members. It's not going out into a new group and making new friends. And to a certain degree, I can understand that because it is hard and it does sometimes take years to get to that point with a new friend. And they just don't feel like they have the time to spend in making and developing new friends. So again, I thought that was really kind of interesting. I would suggest that if you find all of this that I went through, to be interesting, that you buy the book. It really is very readable. It's not real scientific and lots of numbers and, and studies, but it has enough for those people who do want to see that for you to find that in the book. So overall, I would suggest that you do read it. And if you don't think you can make it through the whole book, then I'm sure probably somewhere you can find a synopsis of it online online. I personally didn't actually look for that, so I can't help you with that part. Otherwise, you can get it on Kindle. The paperback is out. I'm sure it's on Audible if you like to listen to books. And otherwise, as I said before, go borrow it from the library. I'm sure that it's probably easier to get now than when it first came out a year ago. So that's it for me for today. As always, remember that I'm not a doctor. And whatever I talk about on this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Really would love to hear a comment, especially if you actually do go and read the book. I would love to hear what you think about it and what you got out of it. You can leave a comment on my website at HealthyTipsAfter50.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, any of the other places where you can find and listen to my podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and be assured that I do read all of the comments I receive. And don't forget, if you haven't signed up yet on my website, there's a free ebook that you'll receive when you do. That's about it for today's show. I'll look forward to talking to you next week.